Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what? What are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmer bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1800 858 858. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ten twenty-one here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. It's panel time, one of my favourite uh, segments of the show, and two of my favourite people actually joining us today. Uh, Courtney Tyree of uh, Netball fame and Sky Sport fame, uh, and Andrew Gordy, of course, of News Hub fame. And Andrew Gordy was the man that came up with the story of yesterday, to be fair, uh, particularly late in the day. It's been a pretty awful time to be a, a sports reporter around this country. But, Andrew, you... Uh, you broke the Chris Cairns news story, which uh, certainly shocked me. It shocked a lot of his colleagues and a lot of people around the country. Uh, man, that, that was big. And, and have we been able to glean any more about what's happening there? Morning, Smithy. Um, yeah, just to echo your words. Um, well, I don't know that I've actually experienced too many days quite like we had yesterday, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it was hard enough uh, digesting and reporting on the news uh, about Olivia Podmore and then... Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I learned of this uh, this news, I suppose, or it was a rumour, I suppose, when it, when I first found out about it at about 6 o'clock last night. Um, and, yeah, there was about three or four fairly frantic phone calls. In fact, I was taking calls during the commercial break. It was that sort of... Uh, that sort of sort of thing that was going on. Um, but, of course, with these things, you want to make sure you absolutely get it right before you uh, before you report anything. Um, and that's really the way it unfolded. Um, look, my understanding is that, um, as, as we said last night, Chris suffered this major medical event in aortic dis- uh, dissection. Uh, it was actually last week, um, on, on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, he'd been in hospital in, in Canberra as a result of that, obviously, and he had obviously undergone several um, several operations, um, but he hasn't responded to that as as anyone would have hoped. Um, and my my understanding is he was uh, transferred. He was on full life support and transferred to a Sydney hospital uh, last night. And and the latest I understand, and I and to be to be fair, I haven't had any more information on this this morning. Um, that that is where he is at the moment. And uh, look, you've really just got to say. It is horrific news, um, and all thoughts are obviously with his with his wife and with his children at the moment. Fifty one is just far far too young to be experiencing anything like this in anyone's life, and all you can hope really is for a miracle. Yeah, uh, I, I I am. I, I'm, I'm feeling. I've known him for a long, long time uh, since he was just uh, a kid in short pants, um, and he was obviously a very impressive young cricketer at that time, but. Uh, he was just a, you know, just a kid, um, just just growing up, and in the presence of his dad and a few other people, uh, he had the privilege of of 
running, having the run of the New Zealand cricket dressing room, I promise you. He was just pop, the door would open, he'd pop in, pop out. Uh, and, you know, pick up a, someone's bat, go out with a ball and play with it and, and just bring it back home. It was just uh, very interesting and, and very, very worrying at the moment. And my thoughts are with Lance and, and Sue in particular, who I, I know the best of all. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Courtney, I wish we could go on a slightly brighter subject uh, when, I, when I turn to you here. But, um, you know, it's been terrible time with uh, the Olivia Podmore situation as well. You've been a high-profile sporting person yourself. Now you're uh, surrounded by high-profile netballers. What do you see and what have you, uh, you learned from all this? Morning, Cynthia. Yeah, it's, I think we've been seeing this kind of thing in regards to athletes and mental health develop over the last couple of years, especially with the growing of social media. And so we do a lot of stuff with the netballers, especially the younger ones coming through and just to try and support them. But I think just with social media, it opens up a whole new avenue, I guess, where fans have direct access to players in a sense. And we've seen this happen, and especially this year, uh, we've seen some pretty horrible stuff come through to our netballers and also athletes around the world. And I think it just adds that extra layer uh, and we've seen it quite recently in both Australia and New Zealand with our netballers. And for us, it's having to provide a network of support around them. But it is just so hard because uh, when I played, I mean, we had obviously media and that, but social media was sort of just on the rise. But it's so hard when you literally see and they will show you what they get sent directly to their phone. And it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword because they teams and players use it to grow their their presence and their identity and their platform, but also it's a way for, I guess, people to just go in at them. And it's, it's really difficult to see. And then, you know, we try and tell everyone, you know, be kind and it's their job and athletes are humans, but sometimes it's, yeah, it's not great. And women are actually 30% more likely to be attacked at female athletes than are males. So it's, it's a big uh, issue that we're dealing with at the moment. So why do you think, Courtney, that it, well, women are targeted more? Is it, is it because they're targeted by men? Are they, they targeted by um, jealous, other jealous women? Or uh, is, is it... Uh, like, uh, it's it a bit of both. Why. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of both. And then also it's because, I guess, there's comment... There's more people will comment on what a female looks like in regards to that space. So, you know, maybe they're too muscly or maybe, you know, stuff like that. So it's... And I guess being sexualized as well. So women have to deal with that as well as getting attacked for their performance, whereas we don't see it as much uh, with males. And then also sports where um, you can bet on games, uh, you're more likely to get attacked uh, from fans because obviously they are more, I guess, involved in what's happening out on the playing field as well. So it's a big study that we're looking into at the moment to try and figure it out and, yeah, try and help our athletes as much as we can. Andrew, Gordy, is, is there a, for you a solution on the horizon? I mean, we're in the media and people point the bone at us and say, look, you guys, um, you're the ones that stir it up. You're the ones that, you know, bring it to a head. But uh, I think it's more a realisation. And I, I think in, in this regard around Olivia Podmore, it's, it's highlighted a other issues, not about the media. It's more social media. It's more pressure of performance. It's more... Uh, living up to expectations, and in her case, uh, you know, achieving but not being selected, I think, was part of it as well. And watching your teammates from afar do so well and get, you know, get recognition, etc. 
There's, it's a combination of things uh, for me, but it, do you see a, a fix anywhere soon? Yeah, look, it's a, gee, there's so many aspects of this we could talk about because that really is a multifaceted issue. And, and like what, what Courtney's just been talking about, social media is definitely um, one part of this problem, and certainly some athletes uh, do suffer mental health issues as a, re- as a result directly of the abuse they get on social media. I'm, I'm really reluctant, Smitty, and I, and I hope you understand this, to jump to conclusions about what led um, Liv Podmore to this point. Um, I, I, you can, we can hypothesise about the timing of it. She's just watched uh, an Olympic Games around performance versus selection, etc., etc. But all I can say is I, I've read the post, uh, which has since been deleted. I know there's been... Uh, it's been floating around on, on social media since and, and there have been excerpts from that. But I read that and one thing that comes through really loud and clear is that there are still problems in the high-performance space in New Zealand sport that must be addressed. And, and I know, and we saw Raylene Castle, and I have an utmost respect for Raylene Castle. She has, there ain't much she hasn't seen as a sporting administrator, but she hasn't seen this. And she stood there with Jacques Landry yesterday and, and they said that there was, a, there was a, a report, there was a review of the cycling culture conducted by Mike Heron QC in 2018, and they stood there and said, we've implemented all aspects of this review. What that, the only thing you can take from this is that it, it's simply not enough, and not enough has changed. And, and that's, that's obvious by the fact that a number of cyclists, both within the environment still and those who have recently departed, have come forward anonymously or privately since this news and said not enough has changed. I'm sure there are some things that have changed. There are still fundamental issues around that. And one, one thing that I think we don't speak enough about, Smithy, is that yesterday the, the, the head of high performance and cycling New Zealand stood there and said we have support um, facilities, I suppose, in place for our athletes to access. There is, a, there is an independence problem there. That, that support is provided by Cycling New Zealand and High Performance Sport New Zealand. There needs to be more independence for that because athletes aren't comfortable all the time going forward and, and speaking about their issues, their problems, to someone who is employed by Cycling and High Performance Sport New Zealand. That is, that is a fundamental thing that needs to change. And I think there's no coincidence that, you know, and I know that the, the Rugby Players Association, the Cricket Players Association, cop a lot of flack but they're the ones who do this best. It is fully independent for those athletes, and, and I think those are the sports that handle it best, and it's no coincidence that Olympic sports, who essentially don't offer those services uh, for their athletes, that's where we're seeing the problems. Interesting, uh, Gord, so we just spoke to uh, a psychologist who specialises in high-performance sport, uh, and she said she just doesn't have any gaps left in her calendar. She just has, isn't able to fit any more people mm-hmm. in, so maybe there's an underlying fact there. Hey, Courtney and uh, Gords, please stay with us. We're going to have a quick news break. When we come back, uh, we'll, we'll try and find a couple of more positive uh, and more happening things to talk about uh, as we carry on with the panel. Here's Trudy. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. With Andrew Gordy uh, from News Hub uh, and also Courtney Tyree from uh, Sky Sport, of course, uh, Heavily into the netball side of things, Courtney, and it's been a big weekend, of course, with the Mystics uh, proving dominant, uh, I think deserved winners of the crown, and after that, of course, the naming of a, a Silver Fern squad for what we hope lies ahead, COVID respective. Uh, look, what did you make of that uh, Silver Fern selection? 
Yeah, I found it really interesting, actually. We spoke about it on our Inside Netball podcast with Sky Sport yesterday. We all sat down and spoke about it, and uh, we spoke to Dan Oline Todua as well, and she just said, obviously, Jane Watson is out with injury, so they've pretty much got three defenders. So she's had to bulk up her midcourt so that she can have players swing into the wing defence position. And she's uh, next year and the next coming up years are pinnacle years, and so this is her time to start blooding players through so when we look at the attacking end you've she's named uh three players that have never worn the black dress before but all performed really well so she's rewarded them on good seasons but there's a little bit down the bottom the footnotes that other people may have missed and she mentioned uh Kayla Johnson who was previously Kayla Cullen that she is in Australia looking to get back to New Zealand and is putting her hand up uh for selection in the future as well Interesting, uh, indeed, and uh, of course, uh, just very quickly, uh, Courtney as well. Um, no doubt for the Mystics, uh, they, they had they qualified top. They had their noses in front throughout the game. Fair result. Yeah, they were dominant uh, and playing at home as well in Auckland. And I mean, when you have Grayson Wicker, who has just been the most dominant performer, she shoots over ninety percent. She's only nineteen years old, this girl, uh, and so you know she just. There was one point in the match where she went up for the ball and she had two Silver Ferns defenders literally on the ground just trying. They jumped up and she just knocked them down and took it so strong. And so uh, I just knew at that point the Mystics were going to be too strong. But it also makes me very excited to hopefully see Grace wear that black dress in the series coming up very soon against the Roses and Australia. Yep, no doubt about it. So uh, netball, hopefully, uh, that series will will take place very shortly. Goods, there's speculation now about cricket at the Olympics. What do you reckon, mate? Mate, I'd be surprised if you and I aren't aligned on this. It, it just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> I, just, I mean, we, we've been talking, haven't we, a lot about um, about the new sports at the Olympics. It would be kind of ironic, I think, if suddenly cricket turned up at the Olympics. It just... Look, I, I suppose when I strip it right back... Cricket isn't isn't a, a, a global sport, I, I don't think, in the sense that it's not played by enough nations. I mean, um, what do we we debate often about how many teams should be at a cricket World Cup? It sort of fluctuates between sort of ten, twelve, fourteen, sort of thing. Is that the kind of sport that should be in an Olympic Games? I think it's a really tough sell in that regard. Um, look, I'm pretty comfortable with where cricket's at, but look, I completely understand why they would be pushing for this. I mean. The ICC is obviously ambitious. They want to grow the game, and there is no better way to grow your sport than to have it um, on display at an Olympic game. So, um, look, to sum up, I get why they're doing it. Will I be upset if it doesn't make it? Absolutely not. No, I'm a little bit with you at this early stage of uh, conversation and development about it. Um, You know, I I will say this, though, Gord. Steve Waugh has often said that uh, his Commonwealth Games medal that he won in Kuala Lumpur is one of his prized cricket possessions. So uh, I'd be interested to get a, a read on, you know, how Kane Williamson, how Ross Taylor, how someone, after all they've achieved in the game, how they would feel about having uh, an Olympic medal around their neck, Gord. So it'd be, it would be quite an interesting discussion, I would feel. Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good point. I mean, if you've got the buy-in of the players and all of the players, the best players in the world said hell yeah, I would love to go to an Olympic Games and represent my country playing cricket. Well, that could be the difference maker, and I suppose that would be that would be absolutely key, wouldn't it? And I suppose 
um, that's where it would be interesting to see what what type of cricket would be played. I mean, I'm guessing it would be T20, obviously. Um, but uh, I suppose you look at the Olympic football tournament, for example. That's you know, FIFA is very deliberate about that. They want to protect their own World Cup, so they make mm. sure that the uh, tournament at the Olympics is under 23 with three overage players. Now, would cricket do something like that, or would they? Just say no. We want the best players on display here. It's a great advertisement for for the game. Um, it would be fascinating, I suppose, to see how how they would approach that. Um, and yeah, like you say, how the athletes themselves would feel about representing their country in Olympic games would be fascinating. Well, you know, you know what the real thing is, Gordon. It, it really does in cricketing terms. That it, it really matters what India think, and after that, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, to be honest. <laughs> Okay, Courtney, uh, what about a netball, uh, a netball medal? I mean, I do actually believe uh, Brisbane 2032, um, the Silver Ferns will be playing for uh, an Olympic medal. I, I believe it's global enough, might be as global as cricket, maybe a bit more, but I, I believe that'll happen. I, I really do. I agree, and we've been pushing for it behind the scenes when we knew that uh, Brisbane was going for 2032 and then once it got announced they, oh, we had everything sort of in place to start really pushing for it uh, but I think definitely uh, we'll be seeing netball there especially with Australia because they can obviously put forward uh, the sports that they would like to see there so they, we've got the extra push there um, and over 20 million people play it in the world there's over 70 nations so the only thing is it's obviously predominantly female sport but we are looking at possibly like the rugby how you've got the sevens at the olympics netball does have the fast five uh that does pre-covid got played uh between countries internationally so there could possibly be uh netball at the olympics or a different version and possibly the fast five but i think we could actually do uh yeah the normal game of netball at the olympics we do it at the com games world cup so I definitely think we've all got our fingers crossed and we're all pushing very hard for it to be uh, at Brisbane 2032. And the way our silver ferns are going, like you said, I definitely think if it is there, they'll be uh, going for an Olympic medal. Cool. Thanks very much, uh, Courtney Tidy, and to Andrew Gordy as well. They were our panel today. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.